0: Yeah, I do have a, a tattoo on my left arm, um, and it does state, love you lots like jelly tots. The second line of the tattoo is the 25th of November, 2012, and that is a day that changed my life forever. My name is Ben Thompson, 43 years old, from Dundee, and I'm a firefighter. I'm also a volunteer down at the Broughty Ferry Lifeboat Station as a crew member. Just before I left the house that morning, um, I remember my wife saying to me, "You know, don't be too late today. We have got stuff to do, and we need to be at Gran and Grand's with the kids later on. Be home by mid-afternoon." So, myself and Gavin have been friends for a long, long time, um, right the way through school into secondary. We used to kind of, you know, do a lot of hobbies and sports together. We left we left secondary school into adult life, and we stayed friends. Um, I've been. I was best man at his wedding. He was best man at my wedding, and laterally we just got into jet skiing. You know, we were all year-round jet skiers. Would go out and any any time of the day. On that particular day, there was five of us, and we decided to go around to St Andrews. As we're heading round, uh, we're taking a slow jaunt through the kind of along the estuary, and one of our friends got into difficulty, and his jet skier broke down, and uh, we done a quick fix in the water and we were heading back. Three of the lads were going to carry on, and myself and Jamie were going to come back to the Broughty Ferry. Turned the jet ski around, got about 100 yards, and my engine had seized. So my friend Gavin decided to tow me back in. Um, His jet ski started to overheat as he was pulling the the jet ski through the water, and in turn it broke down as well. So one of the other lads, Paul, decided to put mines on the back of him and tow that back into Broughty Ferry, while myself and Gavin and another lad, Robert, had waited in the water until his had cooled down. Unfortunately, after several attempts, we couldn't get the jet ski started, um, so we decided to let Robert come back into Broughty Ferry and get the guys and come back out and get with. After about 15 or 20 minutes, um, we did see the jet skis coming back out, but by this time we had been kind of pulled away into the water, and uh, we were heading kind of further east. The guys came back to the location that they left us in, um, but we weren't there anymore. The, the you know the tide and the current had taken us to a part of the river called the Abertay Sands, which is commonly known as the washing machine. It became quite apparent that we were in danger once we hit this part of the Abertay Sands, um, and every wave that hit us was taking us under, as well as the jet ski. Um, and eventually the jet ski did sink. We could still see the guys looking for us, they couldn't see us. Then we seen them disappear to go what we thought was to get help. The beached up outside the station and luckily for us, there was a crew already assembled that just came back in off on a training exercise. So they redeployed, got one to the boats and they headed out. On the way along they noticed Paul who was towing my jet ski back in and they thought, perfect, we found them. They went up and spoke to Paul and Paul had mentioned that there were two guys still in the water with a jet ski and gave them a location of the bar which is about a mile past the Abertay Sands, a mile and a half past the Abertay Sands. So the guys just hit the engines and away they went, straight out to the bar Well, me and Gav are sitting there thinking, where where are they going? You know, they're heading straight past us. Which was pretty scary um, in the way that, you know, we can see them, we can see the guys, but they couldn't see us. As time kind of went on, you know, the churning of the water, the waves, taking us under, taking the jet ski under, the jet ski eventually sunk and the only part of it that was sticking out of the water was the nose. So we decided to let the jet ski go um, the only reason we were holding on to it was a bigger target for people to look for rather than two heads that were looking for a jet ski. But by this point, it wasn't worth holding on to anymore. We let the jet ski go and we tried to make a, a swim for the shore. Unfortunately, the way that the tide and the current was running that day, literally all we were doing was holding a, a position um, and we were tiring ourselves out. As time went on, you know, we're talking like we're in the water for an hour now maybe an hour and a bit. Um, we could see the guys out looking for us, the boats are out looking for us. We then heard the helicopter. Fantastic. And if The helicopter's going to come in, it's going to find us. No problem at all. And if you could imagine where you are in the water and drawing a line straight into the sky, the helicopter flew th- straight through that and went straight to the north shore and headed out kind of east towards where the lifeboat was. It had missed us. Um, so we thought the only thing that we can do here is just keep going, keep swimming just keep trying to get that shore we just couldn't Um, so time's now come you know, time's getting on now, light's starting to fade Uh, we are getting tired Um, we're both seamen we both worked in the oil industry at the time we'd done our sea survival we totally respected the sea we respect the power of the water so then our sea survival training kicked in um we were doing defensive swimming where I would use my arms, Gav would use his legs and we'd be tied in at the legs and then we would swap over to try and keep our keep our energy. At times we would stop and then we would start again. Um, carrying on from there. I mean the light started fading even more, it was starting to get really dark. At that point the two of us were proper tired. Um, you know, we didn't have much energy left, but we were getting really cold. Hypothermia was starting to kick in. Extremities were starting to kind of lose power, and not we weren't able to swim. As such, um, yeah, I mean at that point, that's when we thought, is this our time? Um, so you know, I I would give up, and I would say, Gav, look, just you go, save yourself, get to the beach, tell them where I am. I, I'll wait here, and he would give me a slap and say. Ben, I'm not leaving you. You know, your your courage would get back up again, you'd try to go again, and then Gav would stop and he would say the same thing, you know, and I would have to give him a wee lift and say, look Gav, we've got kids at home, we need to get home for the kids, we've got wives that are waiting for us. We we, we can't, this isn't, this this can't be it for us, you know, we've got to make it, we've got to go home. Time going on again, it's now pitch black, um, and we're, we're, you know, we're trying our best Um, but at this point we're thinking maybe this is our time Um, and we start to talk about how do we make it easy? Do we lie back? Do we go to sleep? Do we go under, take a deep breath? What do we do here to make it easy for us? You know, it's dark, it's late, no one's found us. But we just kept on thinking about the kids uh, and our wives at home. We had to get home. and just as that, as we're standing speaking, Gav said you would seen a light. As I turned round, the waves were quite high that day. The boat was going in and out the wave. When I turned round, I couldn't see it. The light was going down. When I turned back to Gav, he's able to see the light. Eventually, the two of us see the light, and the only thing we had left was our whistles that were on our life jackets. So we took the whistles and we just blew as hard as we can. And I remember looking at Gav and thinking... You know, he's really struggling, he's trying to blow that whistle and there's nothing coming out, he's struggling a lot. We just kept blowing and making as much noise as we can. And then that light turned and it started heading towards us. Um, the feeling was just unbelievable. I mean, it was, it was amazing you know, to, to, to know that someone's found us. The light kept coming towards us, and all we could hear is a loud hailer, saying, we can hear you, but we cannot see you. Keep making a noise. we we'll just, just keep making a noise as much as you can. And I'm saying to Gav, just keep splashing, whistling, just doing what you can, just keep going. And then the big boat, the Arne pulled pulled upside of us. And I remember the crewman looking down and saying to me, there's a platform just underneath the water with a rope just above. If you put your feet on the platform and grab onto the rope, we'll get you on the boat. And I tried, but I just couldn't do it. I, I couldn't move my legs, my arms weren't really working too well. So the two of us just grabbed each other <clears throat> and we, we kind of held held each other on the boat. The guys threw a rope in, we got it around Gav. He got pulled out first, I got pulled out after that. And we went to each end of the boat. As I was lying on the back... You can tell that these guys were proper trained you know they had everything that everything that was needed to be done that day and i remember the crewman speaking to me and he was asking me questions my name my age what happened how long we'd been there for and in my head i was speaking to him but there was nothing coming out i just i had no energy left i couldn't even speak the helicopter had came over the top of the boat and uh, the winchman came down and he put the winch around me the harness around me and started winching us up and all I remember is when I'm going up there and the, the heat from the exhaust the downdraft from the helicopter the heat was awesome um, and, I, and I remember getting into the helicopter and the guy saying to me the guy on the winch saying I just need you to go and sit over there and I'm looking at him, and I'm trying to speak to him and nothing's coming out and I couldn't move so him and the winchman both put me in the seat got me wrapped in blankets with the heat blankets and stuff and the winchman went away again and when he come back up with Gav, and I remember looking at him on the floor as he's lying there thinking, we are so lucky, you know, like, just, I, I, I cannot believe how lucky we are here. So the two guys get Gav, and I am sitting in the seat looking over towards the door at the side of the helicopter, and Gav and I went to the, the, the seat at the back. And I just remember looking round at him, I couldn't say anything, so I just put my hand up and I gave him the thumb as if to say, we're good. We're okay, we're we're going to be fine. We got to hospital, Uh, we landed at Nine Wells, helipad. Ambulance was waiting on our arrival and took us on to A&E. And when the doors opened on the ambulance, both families were standing there. And that was the first time we'd seen them since we left that morning, obviously. Um, We went into the A&E, all the clothes were cut off, put into blankets, trying to warm up. And I remember a doctor coming in and saying, take my temperature took my temperature and his exact words were, with the temperature that your body core is at right now, I have no idea how you're lying in front of me, alive. You're just so cold. So later on that night, <clears throat> after lots of tests, they decided to, to let us go from the hospital and head home with some instructions. Um, and I turned to my wife and I said, where's the kids? Um the <laughs> <Good> hell? <laughs> Wow! Right, so she says they're at, at Grands. We went up, and uh, my son came running out, and he just shouted, Dad, where have you been all day? <sighs> wow! <sighs> yeah, I just remember picking my son up, giving him the biggest cuddle ever, and crying like a little boy. <coughs> So late after that, the next morning we gets up. Me and Gavin both met up, um, and we decided, let's go and get a tattoo. Let's go make it happen. And the the the, the words that it says is "Love you lots like jelly tots," and d- the date that the rescue happened. And the significance to the the rest the the jelly tots is that my daughter Jessica and Gavin's son Quinn. They played together as kids, they're both the same age, roughly the same age, and um, one of the things they used to say to each other as kids is, love you lots, and the other one would finish it with, like jelly tots. So while we were in the water that day, that was one of the things that, one of the things that of came across, you know, we need to be home for the kids, we need to get back home, we can't let this, you know, can't let this be it. And it was always like, look, you know, you remember what they say, love you lots like jelly tots. So, what better than to get the tattoo saying, Love you. It's like jelly tots with the date of the rescue. So after my rescue, um, it didn't take me long. Uh, I come down to lifeboat shed. I spoke to the launch authority and stated that I was interested in joining. It took a couple of months, um, and in the February of two thousand and thirteen, I joined the RNLI as a as a volunteer. Following on from that, doing what the, the you know being down here, being a volunteer, performing rescues myself. Um, with a crew, I re-evaluated my life and I decided that this is the kind of thing I would want to do as a career. Um, So I've then left my career in the past of a mechanical engineer and became a firefighter and to this day I still volunteer uh, down at Broughty Ferry Lifeboat Station. So whenever I leave the door now to go and do something with Gav, whatever sport that may be, and my wife says, don't be long, I generally take that to heart now. (laughs) Hello, this is Seth Lakeman. You've been listening to the RNLI's 200 Voices Collection. To hear more remarkable stories, head to rnli.org slash 200voices or subscribe to RNLI wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening.